Chapter One of Mr. Incool's Misadventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Mr. Incool's Misadventure by Edgar Salters. Chapter One. Mr. Incool. When Harmon Incool's wife died the world in which he lived said that he would not marry again the bereavement which he had suffered was known to be bitter and it was reported that he might betake himself to some foreign land there was for that matter nothing to keep him at home he was childless his tastes were too simple to make it necessary for him to reside as he had hitherto in new york and moreover he was a man whose wealth was proverbial had he so chosen he had little else to do than to purchase a ticket and journey wheresoever he listed and the knowledge of this ability may have been to him not without its consolations yet if he attempted to map some plan and think which spot he would prefer he probably reflected that whatever place he might choose he would in the end be not unlike the invalid who turns over in his bed and then turns back again on finding the second position no better than the first however fair another sky might be it would not make his sorrow less acute he was then one of those men whose age is difficult to determine he had married when quite young and at the time of his widowerhood he must have been nearly forty but years had treated him kindly his hair it is true was inclined to scantiness and his skin was etiolated but he was not stout his teeth were sound he held himself well and his eyes had not lost their luster at a distance one might have thought him in the thirties but in conversation his speech was so measured and about his lips there was a compression such that the ordinary observer fancied him older than he really was his position was unexceptionable he had inherited a mile of real estate in a populous part of new york together with an accumulation of securities sufficient for the pay and maintenance of a small army the foundations of this wealth had been laid by an ancestor materially increased by his grandfather and consolidated by his father who had married a miss van tromp the ultimate descendant of the dutch admiral his boyhood had not been happy his father had been a lean taciturn unlovable man rigid in principles stern in manner and unyielding in his adherence to the narrowest tenets of presbyterianism his mother had died while he was yet in the nursery and in the absence of any softening influence the angles of his earliest nature were left in the rough at school he manifested a vindictiveness of disposition which made him feared and disliked one day a comrade raised the lid of a desk adjoining his own the raising of the lid was abrupt and possibly intentional it jarred him in a task the boy was dragged from him senseless and bleeding in college he became aggrieved at a tutor for three weeks he had him shadowed then having discovered an irregularity in his private life he caused to be laid before the faculty sufficient evidence to ensure his removal meanwhile acting presumably on the principle that an avowed hatred is powerless 
he treated the tutor as though the grievance had been forgotten a little later owing to some act of riotous insubordination he was himself expelled and the expulsion seemed to have done him good he went to paris and listened decorously to lectures at the sorbonne after which he strayed to heidelberg where he sat out five semesters without fighting a duel or making himself ill with beer in his fourth summer abroad he met the young lady who became his wife his father died he returned to new york and thereafter led a model existence he was proud of his wife and indulgent to her every wish during the years that they lived together there was no sign or rumor of the slightest disagreement she was of a sweet and benevolent disposition and though beyond a furtive coin he gave little to the poor he encouraged her to donate liberally to the charities which she was solicited to assist she was a woman with a quick sense of the beautiful and in spite of the simplicity of his own tastes he had a house on madison avenue rebuilt and furnished in such a fashion that it was pointed out to strangers as one of the chief palaces of the city she liked moreover to have her friends about her and while he cared as much for society as he did for the negro minstrels he insisted that she should give entertainments and fill the house with guests in the winter succeeding the fifteenth anniversary of their marriage mrs inkle called to chill took to her bed and died forty-eight hours later of pneumonia it was then that the world said that he would not marry again for two years he gave the world no reason to say otherwise and for two years time hung heavily on his hands he was an excellent chess player and interested in archaeological pursuits but beyond that his resources were limited he was too energetic to be a dilettante he had no taste for horseflesh the game of speculation did not interest him and his artistic tendencies were few now and then a mr blydenburg a florid talkative man a widower like himself came to him of an evening and the chessboard was prepared but practically his life was one of solitude and the solitude grew irksome to him meanwhile his wound healed as wounds do the cicatrix perhaps was ineffaceable but at least the smart had subsided and in its subsidence he found that the great house in which he lived had taken on the silence of a tomb soon he began to go out a little he was seen at meetings of the archaeological society and of an afternoon he was visible in the park he even attended a reception given to an english thinker and one night applauded salvini at first he went about with something of that uncertainty which visits one who passes from a dark room to a bright one but in a little while his early constraint fell from him and he found that he could mingle again with his fellows at some entertainment he met a delicious young girl miss maida barhite by name whom for the moment he admired impersonally as he might have admired a flower and until he saw her again forgot her very existence it so happened however that he saw her frequently one evening he sat next to her at a dinner and learning from her that she was to be present at a certain reception made a point of being present himself this reception was given by mrs bachelor 
a lady well known in society who kept an unrevised list and at stated intervals issued invitations to the dead divorced and defaulted when she threw her house open she liked to have it filled and to her discredit it must be said that in that she invariably succeeded on the evening that mr incoul crossed her vestibule he was met by a hum of voices broken by the rhythm of a waltz the air was heavy and in the hall was a smell of flowers and of food the rooms were crowded his friend blydenburg was present and with him his daughter the wainwarings whom he had always known were also there and there were other people by whom he had not been forgotten and with whom he exchanged a word but for miss barhite he looked at first in vain he would have gone a crowd was as irksome to him as solitude but in passing an outer room elaborately supplied with paintings and bric-a-brac he caught a glimpse of the girl talking with a young man whom he vaguely remembered to have seen in earlier days at his own home he walked in miss barhart greeted him as an old friend there were other people near her and the young man with whom she had been talking turned and joined them and presently passed with them into another room mr incoul found a seat beside the girl and after a little unimportant conversation asked her a question at which she started but mr incoul was not in haste for an answer he told her that with her permission he would do himself the honor of calling on her later and as the room was then invaded by some of her friends he left her to them and went his way End of chapter one